Thank you for tuning in to Cop with Comic. I'm Brian Cop, and we're here with Comic Gabby Jordan Brown. Gabby Jordan Brown, how the hell are you? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for coming on because you're such a hip soccer mom. Ah, the hippest of all the soccer moms. <laughs> but you're not, you're not as hip as some other soccer moms because you had to put underscores in your Twitter name, which is hip underscore soccer underscore mom on Twitter. And then on Instagram, you are. Uh, you got it there. You got the hip soccer mom on Instagram. You were hipper than them because you got an Instagram first. I did. You know, I think Kanye West initially, like, didn't get his own handle or something, and he had to, like, pay someone to give it to him. Yes. So, I don't know, enough, maybe that's what's pay. next for me. Yeah, I'm going to be, <laughs> get the underscores out of my handle, get someone to hand me the rights to those. Yeah, she'll get so famous that she will be able to buy the domain name. Cause, and what you're going to get famous from is stand-up comedy, I guess, from Anne Hathaway Presents, which is your temporary virtual mic on Thursdays. Um, I suppose so. I mean, yeah, it's a super fun, uh, super supportive women, LGBT friendly open mic. Um, yeah, it's being done on Zoom every Thursday at eight. And it's me and a very funny comedian, Aaron Abelot Clemens. And we just try and uh, make everyone laugh, make weird segues. Um, and our, our, our buy in, I guess you could say is that our quote-unquote co-host is the academy award-winning actress Anne hathaway but somehow she never shows up i mean it's so <laughs> weird i love that shit so was that something you were doing before the quarantine yeah uh we were doing it at the pit in the little pit attic um which is probably like the tiniest space in the world um <laughs> it was like kind of one of those things you're gonna look back on in two years and it was like we did that and then a pandemic <laughs> happened like <laughs> It's so small and stuffy, um, but it was so much fun. I mean, there were like 20 people packed into this one tiny attic. So the laughs were just, I mean, you do outdoor shows now and laughs like dissipate into the air. Or at least that's how I justify it if I bomb. <laughs> Let's hope that, yeah, you go back to the pit after the quarantine. And you're also doing a night of funny jokes, which is you and Nick Cohen. Yeah, that's a more, um, w Nick and I, we've been good friends for a long time and we, um, we started doing some experimental two-person improv. And by experimental, I basically just mean weird. I mean, it was just wacky. And <laughs> <laughs> it's just me. And experimental makes it sound so avant-garde. But uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was just, um, yeah, we were just, like, having fun on stage, the two of us. And then when quarantine hit, I think we kind of tried to make the Zoom medium something that fit the kind of things we would have been doing in person but also open ourselves up to using the new medium so like we wrote a choose your own adventure for one person um which is crazy we wrote like i think there might have been 100 paths for this one guy to go down one path but it was fun it was worth it um we're doing a couple more things coming up and you had angela palladino on one of those yeah, yeah, that was the last in-person show. That was a blast. Yeah, that was one of the super spreader events that I hear about. Like, everybody's telling me about their big 
last show. And even I think uh, Janelle Draper may be on and she I think she does a show with her sister who's a health expert. And they did it right when the thing was fucking about ready to hit. And they're like, should we go on? And I think the health expert was like, yeah, let's go on. And so they they did their thing. So it's nice to know that even when you have the approval of your your health expert sister, it's, you know, it's like, yeah, let's host a, a super spreader event. Because you had people like uh, D- Dylan Adler on some of these earlier shows, and oh, so it's Dylan nice Boyd, to know. Yeah. yeah, it's nice to know that you're kind of keeping these uh, going. Because I see on one of these it goes because improv was meant to be typed. <laughs> yeah, the, well, that that last show was in March, yeah, and it was literally right before lockdown. Um, and what ended up, uh, it was around the time I feel like when open mics were first starting to shut down because of COVID, like no one was shaking hands anymore. People were like el- using elbows, yeah. and I was like sanitizing my hands after every set and then slowly the lines for mike started getting less long and at first i was an idiot i was like huh these lines are you know so great like i can just walk in any open mic that's wonderful <laughs> i'm like jerry seinfeld i can pop in any show i can just pop in and do a set at the cellar let's see <laughs> And then later on, I see a picture of you with a face visor. So, you you know, lines were short, but you took it seriously. Now that the uh, yeah. in parks and stuff, you got your, was that a Mr. Mike or something? And you got your face shield. Yeah, well, I think when, when lockdown hit, um, or at, at least I feel like when everyone collectively, at least that I know, started reading, you know, articles and kind of like making themselves like anxiety dream by like, reading twitter every night like i was it you know was became something i i definitely take it super seriously now and uh you know you want to keep doing comedy and and i think park shows are you know pretty safe you see hosts like wiping down the mic between sets and uh you know they try and social distance and everything's outdoors and people wear their masks often except when they're on stage um but yeah, every right. other time, so. Yeah, I love that. We should just partition these parks into little comedy clubs. And the future of comedy now that New York City is dead, as us transplants <laughs> like to say. But real quick, we're going to try to fold it into a topic of mutual interest, which is Gossip Fucking Girl. Oh, the it best. Sounds like, yeah, you're rewatching it recently. I've rewatched it several times. And Sebastian Stan was on there, a.k.a. Carter Basin. So when my nieces started falling in love with Sebastian Stan, I was like, that's Carter fucking Basin on Gossip girl who was that kind of guy who'd come into town and they were like carter basin is back in town i love i mean gossip girl was just amazing like how much do you love it and why i i love gossip girl so much yeah the carter basin character is hilarious (laughs) to me because he it's never explained why he's so mysterious other than that he has an insane name and sebastian stan is like a brilliant actor who sells it but he dates serena and it feels like he's pretty supportive of her he's just <laughs> a little shit you don't know what underground dealings he's a part of yeah. i know he scams nate with the poker game but also nate maybe don't join an insane poker game when you're yes. 16 years old i think carter basin is much maligned but <laughs> but also i mean it was the same kind of thing as what the michelle trachtenberg character would be like oh do you know what's her name's back in town and so whenever somebody comes back in from out of town they are immediately a uh, shady yeah, it almost it feels almost very um, uh, theatrical in that way because <laughs> you see these like August Osage County type plays where it's like this stranger is back in town after having much history with this American family uh, and 
it, they have all of these secrets that they're bringing with them from this mysterious place out of town where they went, which is how the entire pilot starts. It's like Serena is this big mystery. Oh, yeah. She's coming back from quote unquote out of town. I, I love that. And now that all these transplants are coming back from out of town, they're all be the, some dark, shady motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, when you actually flesh out their backstory, what do these people do out of town? It's like, I don't know. They stayed upstate with their parents. Yeah, well, I, I know in season six, Serena tries to escape her life by uh, like stopping that Connecticut billionaire or whatever with the vitamin company. Oh, yeah. What I think what's weird about Gossip Girl is that so many things happen where you do a rewatch and then someone reminds you about a plot line that's coming up and you're like, that's so crazy that I forgot that in the shuffle of... <laughs> 20 other crazy plot lines yeah but it I, worked chose, in- I chose to forget it because a lot of times i'll you know yeah once a, a stupid character gets introduced i'll be like i'll, I'll kind of reach for the fast forward button because like i've seen this thing two three times or whatever whatever show it is i'll be like i don't like this character you know i don't like the character's mother that they brought in for that episode so i'll skip an entire episode because i know how bad that storyline is which mother are you? Well, just in, in in any show. So any, you know, like right, yeah. right, right now I'm watching you know Brooklyn Nine Nine again, and mm. so whenever you know um, the Pontiac Bandit comes back in, I'm like, all right, I've already seen this episode. I know he's going to double cross Jake again. Like, let me let me fast forward the whole fucking episode. And a lot of times they try to do that. They try to introduce a you know again Brooklyn Nine Nine. Jimmy Smith is the dad, and they, they was trying to. And usually that's where it fucks up when they try to introduce a character who uh, maybe doesn't fit with the show. Like you want to see Dan and Serena, you want to see. Uh, uh, Chuck and Blair. What's what's it's Blair, right? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Chuck. Chuck and Blair, and then yeah, Nate. Late, late Like you want to see these people interact. You don't necessarily want to see the vitamin guy from Connecticut. Yeah, you don't. And um, th- I mean, there's a couple of pretty interesting supporting characters who I think add a lot, and then there's definitely some supporting characters who detract. I think you're right yeah. about that. They, and it, I think it's whatever is lodged in my memory is what was good and whatever leaves my memory is what was bad like when nate dates that woman juliet sharp i forgot about it for my entire life i and i'm sure in five (laughs) years when i'm on my deathbed or whatever well i mean it won't be five years hopefully it'll be like 50 years but if someone's like uh yeah remember when nate dated juliet sharp i'll be like no i don't remember that but i remember when uh when uh Blair and Dan dated, which like it was yes. a controversial plot line, but now I that I'm, I loved it, I, I loved it. They too. were good. I thought they were. I thought yeah. that Dan actually understood and loved her. Um, yeah, and she was actually a little bit more intellectual. Like, wasn't she reading like fancy books? And somebody like Serena would never do that. Serena liked the idea that she would read fancy books. <laughs> <laughs> Serena, Serena's character is hilarious to me because she. She wants so badly to be good. And I think the whole point of Gossip Girl, it's kind of the show that walked so Succession could run, I think. Um, I, maybe it, it walked, ran, flew, and then stumbled to the ground and didn't stick the landing. But um, it, it's kind of the show that shows you that um, wealth disparity is something like when you're on the top of it, there's no real way to be inherently good. Um, because you have kind of inherently pillaged the earth if you keep that level of wealth. <laughs> if you just keep it going. Yeah, if you don't give it away or you don't try to do something yeah. good with it, you're just part of the problem. Which is why I think Chuck and Blair are so beloved. Because ultimately, they're the two people who admit, like, 
look, we're awful and we are entitled to be awful due to our family fortune. And I think Serena and Nate are sort of kindred spirits in that they both are absolutely sheltered, completely out of touch with reality. And they, at the same time, want desperately to be perceived as good. Yeah. And so somebody like Serena would be an amazing Instagram model because she would, oh, yeah. yeah, as an influencer, she would have that stack of books behind her in the bookshelf, but she never had read, read it. Serena would be selling like those fit tea products in 10 years, like 10 years <laughs> from when the show ended, you know, like yeah. she would be on Instagram being like, love my husband, Dan, but you know what I love more? Sugar bear vitamins. <laughs> Use discount code Serena to get these sugar bear vitamins. Dude, yeah, they should do it. It's a reboot where she goes to the fire festival. I've, I've heard that they are doing a gossip <gasps> girl reboot, Good. which is very Good. exciting. Yeah, I, I couldn't even believe that. Like, if they tried to do that via Zoom or something, how would that work? Like, how, how do you show the trappings of wealth? I guess they would do tours of their new homes or their new loft spaces in Soho. But I, I guess, like, what you know, what you know, and as these transplant re return to the New York City comedy scene, you know, they won't really have that shady backstory of you know Carter Basin or something like that. But I mean, do you think New York City is just going to return? And is the is the comedy scene leading the way with its park shows? You know, it's interesting. I think that I don't actually mind where transplants go and don't go. I think the issue is larger in that, so I'm from New York originally, um, and we've all seen a lot of change in that, um, you know, developers, I think, sort of made New York a bit of a playground for people who ultimately never intended to be here very long, but yeah. they built a you know, facsimile of a place where you could live your entire life if you're that kind of person. And then, of course, when March and April hit, the city unfortunately did look kind of barren. And I'd walk down the street and places wouldn't, you know, they'd be closed. And the only places you'd see lines outside for were like McDonald's, Popeye's, you know, yeah. cheap, cheap stuff. Um, because it was the only cheap stuff left because everywhere else was selling like nine dollar burritos and uh. i don't really care necessarily where people go it's just when people say new york is dead like it wouldn't have been because of COVID. it would have been because of crazy developments that were made for money people who never intended to stay for very long and you know i i know that i personally like i've lived in new york forever so there definitely will be a time in my life where i'll want to go somewhere else i love la um, you can't be a local forever and stay in your own hometown, even if it is New York. <laughs> but in terms of like people who say New York is dead, I mean, cities can't really live or die. You basically just if you if your family's from there, like it's irrelevant. Like yeah. New York could like not have a comedy scene, and my mom would still live here, and I'd still like this place. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah, it's just yeah, a stack of buildings on pavement, so it's always going to be around. Um, but yeah, no one can judge any of these transplants who had to move home because they, you know, they ran out of fucking money and they had to stay with their no, parents who don't happen to li live in New York City. So any any local who's who had to kind of, you know, who is living with parents or something like that in their hometown of New York City totally cannot judge a transplant who had to move out and there's some of us who can't like some of us can't even go home yeah and i think emmy, emmy potter is a funny uh, former guest um she's like you know i think she's from la and she's like i haven't been there for a year and it's like i you know i can't go back and i think some of that has to do with not wanting to get people sick 
you know, because you're mm-hmm. going to be on a plane, especially if you're going cross cross country and you're not. I mean, you might pick it up on the fucking plane and it's not like you're going to quarantine in a hotel for two weeks. Nobody's got money for that shit. But like, yeah, I mean, my parents are older. And so me going back to visit my dad, it's like I could get them. I could get them sick. Sure. I think it's it's really tough in a lot of ways. I think my issue primarily is um, people who left New York to go to like a second house because the rate was high and then came back on in a car is one thing, but like on a big crowded plane because the rate was low. It's like, well, you're just making the rate high again. So I think it's everyone's circumstance is different. I had plenty of friends who left New York, unfortunately, because the cost of living was pretty high and it was lower yeah. somewhere else. And um a lot of my friends just like if they needed to fly back on an airplane to New York, they just had the good sense to not do that because yeah. they were not selfish and did not want to infect people. And I think that's the hard thing is like, I do think there is some element of when people move to New York, like it, there, there is, I've spoken about this on other podcasts, like there is culture here like in any other city. Like if I go to Spain, I'm not going to expect to know. I'm going to be like, hey, like I'm going to follow your lead. So if you've lived in Spain forever, like I want to know the way you cross the street. I want to know what time you go to dinner. I'm not going to force <laughs> my life on someone else. Right. And I think that's the when people do move here they treat new york as if it's this blank canvas like this is where i'm coming to pursue my dream because i'm the main character uh, i'm the i'm the serena i'm the <laughs> i am serena vander serena would and just so you know all those gossip girl characters to bring it around maybe they're from new york none of them would be in new york they all would have fled they'd be in the hand yeah. Still. No, oh, totally. no doubt about it. Forget yeah, it. Yeah, and that kind of leads to the question. So Gabby Jordan Brown doing stand up with her visor. Like, what gossip girl character are you as a comedian? Oh, that putting is putting you on the spot. Yeah. That is an incredible question, and I'm so happy. <laughs> I've been you thinking asked about it a lot. Yeah, I've been, I've been thinking about I've it like crazy. About it. <laughs> I've thought about it before, actually. Um, I, I really relate to uh, Kelly Rutherford's character. Uh, Lily Lily Bass and it's not because it's not because I'm rich like her you know but it's she just has this crazy quality about her where like anytime it even looks like someone in her life needs like protecting she will do it and I'm not saying this about myself to like make me sound good like I am very overprotective of my friends and loved ones in a way that I probably don't need to be and is probably worse for the situation than <laughs> it needs to be. Like, yeah. if someone's being mean to someone in my life, I will be meaner to that person than the situation <laughs> requires. And then my friend who I was trying to protect is like, what the hell? This was actually worse for me. And that's ah. what Lily... That's what Lily does in almost every situation she's in where she's trying to protect Serena or Eric. But I actually think the character on Gossip Girl I am most like was featured in only one episode. And he was this guy who was just a normie who went on a date with Blair. And then Blair got caught up in a scheme and asked if he wanted to join. And he went, okay. (laughs) <laughs> and I think that's me. I think that's my energy. Is that gullibility so or just kind of? Is it gullibility or is it go with the flow? Both. 
Both, 100%. <laughs> but I, lo- I love it, though, because I think I saw Lily Vanderwoodson, a.k.a. Kelly Rutherford. I think I saw her in real life, and I thought she was in, on 5th or 7th Avenue, like the one with all the shishi boutiques. And I'm like, exactly, that's where she would be. Um, but it's so funny because if you go see Gordon Jabby, Gabby, <laughs> Gordon Jabby Brown, Gabby <laughs> Jordan Brown, yeah, Gabby Jordan Brown at either Anne Hathaway Presents or A Night of Funny Jokes, you're going to find out that maybe she's vindictive, but it's out of love for her friends and family. <laughs> And she's I've also never go been with the introduced flow. so well. That's incredible. <laughs> and also she's go with the flow or gullible. So you can probably rope her into her multi-level marketing scheme. So Gabby Jordan Brown, thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Uh, rope me into your MLM and follow my stand-up. <laughs> <laughs>